Bill, it's time for a segment that we absolutely hate on this show that we don't do, but we're going to lead the show with it. Are you excited oh. or curious? Um, I can't say that I'm excited, but we'll see where it goes. Okay. This is only to do a, a solid for a fellow journalist named uh, Jeff Greer. He writes for the Louisville Courier Journal. He sent me an email, and as with anything that has to do with actual stats or predictions or analysis, I immediately call a colleague and then just steal their homework. This is how I got through college. It took six years. This is how I got through high school. It technically took four. Um, hey, guys, I'd love to include you in the Courier-Journal's media predictions column this week. Can you send me your Clemson Louisville pick by close of business, which is today? Uh, please follow this format with one to two sentences why you picked the way you did. All right. So we have to pick, and then we have to give two sentences. And now I'm going to address this as us since you're going to do all the work here, all right? Um, we don't do predictions on the show. We don't really do pick-ems. Um, I feel like if I were to pick this game by myself, it would probably be grossly wrong. I'm not saying you're, like, you're dead on. You're not, like, you know, humping the money line in Vegas or anything, but you're better at this than I am. Also, I have no feel for this game whatsoever. <laughs> um, so we're going to jump ahead to our normal section where we talk about the games. Just this one game, Okay. I don't even know if this is game of the week yet. Let's not let's not get into that, Bill. Okay. Bill, it's very big right now. Help me do my homework. Stephen Godfrey and Bill Connolly co-hosts PAPN. Oh wait, no. In in an old person newspaper, where I'm gonna have to spell out the name of yeah, our yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, only you might have to. That's only gonna explain what a podcast actually is. You go ahead and just explain a definite, like send a definition of what a podcast is, along with. <sighs> okay, I need two sentences. Go, or just tell me what's gonna happen. I'll, I'll, I'll gin it up. I, I mean, I, the I have absolutely no feel or honestly interest in what happens when Clemson has the ball. Um, Louisville's run defense has been horrifically uh, inefficient so far. They're pretty good at preventing big plays. But meanwhile, Clemson's run offense was pretty horrifically uh, inefficient against Auburn. So I don't know what happens then, and I don't really care. But on the other side of the ball, you've now got the guy who has in two weeks reminded everybody, hey, by the way, I won the Heisman last year. I'm pretty freaking great. Um, against a defense that sacked uh, Stidham, a, a not not a statue uh, in the pocket last week, eleven times. So, uh, I mean, you tell me what that means. I'm really, really interested uh, in any number of aspects of when Louisville has the ball. Uh, I still am going to just assume that Clemson wins. When Clemson has the ball, it's one of the worst. Uh, it's a terribly boring viewing experience. When Louisville has the ball, and capitalizing and, as we do in our blogger culture, <laughs> Clemson is on defense. That's some good, good college football. Not completely sure that's what I said, but it's not bad. Shut up, Bill. Uh, yeah, Kelly Bryant averaged 4.9 yards per pass attempt against Auburn last week. Uh, Adam Choice, the, their leading rusher, uh, who isn't Kelly Bryant anyway, had seven carries for 17 yards. Um, they will do better than that because Louisville's defense is not Auburn's defense. But, ew, like, all the interest, all the, the, the interesting matchups are on one side here. With 
wait, hang on. We only, oh, we only get one more sentence. Um, all right, what's our score? Let's see. The S&P projection is 29-26 Clemson. Okay, let's do it. Uh, okay. Hey, man. S&P, by the way, has own... been murdering Vegas through two weeks. Why would you invent your own analytics system and not use it? I do it so I don't have to think. Uh, that's why I'm here. Um, all right, let's say when Louisville has the ball and, Clem- and Clemson is on defense, that's some good, good college football. But Lamar Jackson, do I go social commentary here and talk about how even though he's a Heisman winner, he's actually under. It's going to be a really long two sentences, isn't it? <sighs> this is why we have editors. Um, Lamar Jackson, watch this. Watch This is schlocky. That's a newspaper. Lamar Jackson will sizzle, but Brent Venables. Oh no! Will cook. Wow. Twenty nine, twenty six, Clemson. Huh. Jeff Greer, this is what you get for emailing me. Venables. This is some good, good audio right now. Brent Venables. I'm not editing a single damn second. No, of that no. This is the lead segment of our show. Leave it alone. All right, one more time. <clears throat> when, when Clemson has the ball, it is a terribly boring viewing experience. It's not is. Uh, when Louisville has the ball and, blogger and, Clemson is on defense, that's some good, good college football. Lamar Jackson will sizzle, but Brent Venables will cook. 29-26 Clemson. God, yeah. don't put my damn name on that. Too late. This is podcast ain't played nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's a robot, Bill Connolly. He invented the S and P Plus analytics system, which I cribbed from liberally. Um, he wrote a bunch of books. He writes a lot of stuff on the website. My name's Stephen Godfrey. I'm a reporter. I sit in hotels a lot. We have a decent week three. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's I, it's better than I thought it was when um like just in my head when we, you you picture kind of the flow of the season. I, I kind of thought this week wasn't very good. It's actually pretty good. Um, address not found. Oh, wait, hang on. I got to resend it. All right. Well, enough with that segment. Um, here's the deal. I don't think, Bill, that we've had my favorite part of the viewing experience occur yet. It's, we've come close, but l- we talked a little bit about this on the Sunday recap, which, by the way, if you haven't listened yet, we are, the Sunday recap is back. It's, it's, you can either catch it like late Sunday, early Monday, whenever you want to. It's as soon as Bill finishes the S&P Plus for that week, we run through usually the top 30, sometimes more if it, if it pertains to particular big games from that weekend. And then sort yeah, of, we've already bumped it from 25 to 30 because we can't really ever stop talking. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, we have not yet had Saturday night was a, was supposed to be a flip back experience of, Hey, everybody, like you always say, Hey, rush over here. Hey, everybody. Oh my God. Look what happened here. Games kind of sucked for the majority of the evening slate. All the marquee stuff, of course, gets pushed into primetime now. And it just didn't hold up in terms of, Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. No, Hey, look at this. And I say that as someone who watches a website, call information, and call interesting things and then sort of lay them out for your palate. Um, It was weird. I thought the afternoon was better. I wrote about Penn State and Oregon, so I was focused more on the afternoon slate. Maybe week three, Bill. Maybe. Before we jump straight into this, it could be a little bit closer to that experience because that really is my favorite part of when you're on the couch is jumping from one – having that collective shared experience over and over and over again as you jump. And then, like, you know, you get the entire college football internet community, like, staring at, you know, 
Wake Forest, NC State for some reason. Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, and the schedule is going to make that at least a little more difficult again because it is, of course, not distributed as well as it could be. But it's a little better distributed, I think, than last week. Mm-hmm. And part of that is probably just because it doesn't have any um, OU Ohio State level games on it. Uh, so, well, it has one. It's got Clemson. But uh, for the most part, it is a little more uh, – it is less bottom-heavy than what we saw last week. And for those of you who are newish joining our culture or newish sort of understanding the, the, the concept, this is the week in which something weird is going to happen in succession. Because if you hearken back to Duke-Miami, that was on a, a quote-unquote bad week. Bad weeks tend to, in college football, have this miraculous ability to become bizarre fun weeks. If anything, I think maybe we dial down the marquee a little bit and we actually end up getting something right. a little bit more interesting. And I say yeah. that, I made a joke on Twitter Saturday night because it was, uh, did they go to the half 3-3 Oklahoma and Iowa State? I think they were, it was late second. Yeah, um, yeah I think it was 3-3 at half. Yeah, um, I made a joke of, you know, mocking everyone for mocking me about not paying attention to the marquee games, but yeah, that wasn't that fun to watch. When I rewatched that, I basically scooted right through the first half. And that's saying something when you can cut a whole half of football out of a, out of a game that's supposed to be the best thing of the day. Yeah, what's funny is like we were complaining about too much in the 7 o'clock slot where the two, well, the two great games of the day were at 11 a.m. and 10, or 9 p.m. <laughs> it was Iowa, Iowa State early, and it was Washington State, Boise State late. Um, those were the, those were the appointment viewing kind of everybody come together and watch this kind of things. But one of them didn't end until like 2 PM Eastern time. Uh, Lord knows I wasn't awake watching the end of Boise state, Washington state. I watched it about seven the next morning, but, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was kind of a weird day. That's fine. It's fine. Every, every, every Saturday is allowed to have its own personality, but that's why we're here to walk through what we think the personality is going to be and then find out we're incredibly wrong Two about it. Two things before we break down week three, we break down our viewing suggestions for you as a, as college football sommeliers. We need to talk about two very wow. important football games. <laughs> one that happened, I can't even do a straight phase. One that happened last week, one that will happen this week. Let's start with the most okay. important thing we can talk about. Bill, what happened in New Mexico, New Mexico State? <laughs> I didn't realize we were going to be, you know, leading off with, with, uh, with Aggie football. No, okay, so the first time I checked on New Mexico versus New Mexico State, the score was 30 to 5. Now, A, that is a very weird score, obviously. And B, it was even weirder because New Mexico State was the 30. Um, I, that, that obviously, I mean, first of all, first things first, good for freaking Doug Martin and, uh, and New Mexico State. They have now played two games. They were legitimately competitive against Arizona State, lost 37 to 31. And granted, Arizona State appears to be bad. But that's still, I mean, for New Mexico State, that's a nice game. And now they beat New Mexico in the second game. Like, if you, like, Grant, like that automatically puts me in, like, Eastern Michigan. Ooh, can they make a bowl kind of mode? Uh, they do play Troy at home this week. They'll probably lose yes. that. But, I mean, we'll see. They get UTEP at home. They can, they can absolutely win that one. Uh, they will then most likely lose to Arkansas, Appalachian State, and Georgia State, Southern and Arkansas State, who they get back to back to back to back. Uh, granted, I mean, Arkansas is kind of a, a mental mess at the moment, but I'm assuming they've got enough for that. Arkansas State is at home in Las Cruces, so you never know. But the back half of the schedule, if they can get to two wins, they can get a second win here. <clears throat> they finish with Texas State, Louisiana Lafayette, Idaho, and South Alabama. 
Um, three teams that have been uh, kind of demonstrably bad and were expected to be bad this year. And then Idaho, who has looked like utter crap this year, even though we kind of thought they might be decent. So there's a chance, there's a path for them to get to six and six this year. And I'm, that is uh, now in um, among like the five things I'm rooting for most this season, uh, because I, that's whatever, that's who I am. We should just start um, up a PR campaign, like the podcast and, and our listeners. I think we should just, we should just drive national attention towards keeping New Mexico State D1. Do you think they deserve that? I don't think they probably deserve that, but I would love it if it happened. Hmm. Well, and D, well, they will be D1. FBS. You yeah. know what I mean. Yes. I um, D1 is still so much easier in conversation to say than FBS. Yes. You know, we can take some of this nomenclature back. We don't have to necessarily <laughs> be spoon-fed everything by the NCAA. So the first thing to know about New Mexico State, New Mexico, is that New Mexico State was lucky. There were five fumbles in the game, and they recovered four of them. Um, and since they barely won, the, you know, the logic would state that they probably needed all five of those. But they still outgained New Mexico. They outgained them on a per-play basis. Uh, they, there were 23 penalties in this game, by the way. You know, mm. th- th- throw the rule book out when, when rivals get together, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, this was a crazy game. New Mexico State scores on a 30-yard touchdown pass. Then New Mexico proceeds to block the PAT and return it for two points. So it's six to two. Um, New Mexico State scores on an 81-yard pass. Uh, New Mexico kicks field goal, so it's 13 to five. Uh, then it is 16 to five, and then it is 23 to five, and then late in the third quarter, it is 30 to five on Tyler Rogers' fourth touchdown pass of the day to three different guys. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, the grinded out option team uh, that is New Mexico scores 23 unanswered points, uh, and including uh, the uh, what could have been the game tying touchdown with with a minute 11 left. Uh, they threw a touchdown pass uh, and missed the two point conversion. That's the reason it didn't go to OT. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of a crazy game, and and uh, the team, the, you know, it took a, it was lucky for New Mexico State to win, I guess, but good for them. Um, and now go like the path to NMS, hashtag NMSU six and six. That feels like a, a a nice viral hashtag right there. Okay. Uh, this is going to be as decent a segue as I could possibly fashion to get us the hell out of New Mexico, New Mexico State. Las Cruces. Let's. Hey, you know what's funny? Before we leave, like they're you know they're orphaned or whatever, and I know that there's no incentive for any conference. That to is take funny. Them, but here's the deal: they're only forty miles north of El Paso. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not the dumbest thing in the world for them to join the CUSA. At least if Utah's going to be there, they just have to be. They have to improve. They have to be. Plus, that's not CUSA style. CUSA aims for Ooh. cities that yeah, have that, no hope that, that of really producing out well for them. football. Yeah, it's really, it's really done a good job for them. Bill, guess what's on Thursday night? I still say this game will be fun. Okay, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the fun here. But as, here's the deal. As we start our schedule preview for the week, um, normally we, we try and pick one viewing experience for you above another. There's one viewing experience on Thursday night. It's New Mexico at Boise State. That's not a bad game. It's still Bob Davey. It's still running a crazy weirdo option, and it's still Boise State on the blue turf. And that's great. That's what we love about college football. Everything I said in that sentence is worth viewing. There's just nothing else Yeah. at all. Where's Fox at? Yeah, where's where's CBS Sports at? Yeah, where's a game that I would like to see in the Mountain West that I can't watch? Right. I can't even get mad. I feel so gypped. Um, Very strange. I don't know what's going on. I mean, last week was the whole NFL thing. Um. Shame about those Patriots. I don't understand why this week they've laid down as well. So uh, 
I'll have to register a complaint with uh, with the the ESPN PR people and ask them like exactly what's going we on. We get we walked through this the Thursday schedule before we started recording here, and it's it's weird. It's it's, it's on not off good on for a while. Yeah, it's Temple USF next week, which seemed like a good game, but I watched Temple Villanova, and I I don't think I yeah. Anyway, um, then you've got Texas Iowa State, which could be legitimately fun. And you've got Louisville NC State, which is legitimately important. Right. And then you've got Texas State, Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Memphis, nice. Houston. That'll um, be good. Possibly. And then Stanford, Oregon State. I think Memphis is fun. And Houston beat Arizona. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a decent sure. enough viewing experience. And then Stanford, Oregon State. Uh, then Navy Temple. A lot of Temple. A lot of Temple. Uh, wrong year for that, I think. Uh, North Carolina Pitt could be fun, but anyway, it, yeah, it's not a very good, it's like, I mean, hooray, we got our way. AAC is on national TV more often, but it's all the wrong games. I think. Hmm. Interesting. We'll have to, that begins to... with this Friday night, but I'll get to that one. Okay, Bill. So Thursday night, it's watchable. It is our viewing recommendation because it's our only viewing recommendation. Let's go to Friday, uh, Illinois at South Florida, at least the game's being played. It's, um, yeah. is it, was it moved to Champaign? I don't know what the final verdict was. Uh, it's at USF still. Yeah. Good. Um, you know what? It's it's sort of weird to talk about that kind of stuff and complain one way or the other. If, I know. <laughs> like, so, you know, something gets, you know, rescheduled or undone. I mean, you know, it's it, this could actually be a game. I, I do have to say, I made a joke last week about Western Kentucky being on upset alert, and Illinois was good. Illinois whooped them. Um, what's going on with Illinois, Bill? Is that is that like a thing? Because if they beat USF here, uh, which is this is probably USF's, is this, yeah, I guess their best game outside of conference? Play? Oh, it's by, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> um, um, so he, here's what's going on with Western Kentucky uh, and Illinois. I think Jeff Brom is a very good coach. Okay. I think that's the, like, as, as Purdue was, uh, you know, last week we saw Purdue manhandle Ohio, which again, it's only Ohio. They're still only in like the eighties in S and P like they have a lot, they have plenty to prove. Like I said, they were, they had the New Mexico state bounces against Louisville and that game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Uh, but he's clearly got them. He's, he's immediately brought an identity to Purdue. He's brought confidence to Purdue. And that's something we haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, but that means he left a void, uh, at Western Kentucky, and, and I, our, you know, your boy Mike Sanford, who I think is going to be a very good head coach one day. I think th- just the departure of of a, of a very influential and successful coach, I think it's kind of hurting him a little bit. So I don't think Western. I'm starting to conclude that Western Kentucky is not going to be all that great this year. It's still good enough to compete in the terrible Conference USA. Um, but I think yeah, part of what we saw win that thing is it in right. Somebody has to win. Uh, yeah, it might be Louisiana Tech, might be Middle Tennessee. Uh, might be Old Dominion or UTSA. Oh, um, UTSA. Yeah, no, I'll put my money on. I'll put my money on UTSA, MTSU, maybe Old Dominion. TBD on that one. Uh, Joey Weaver asks uh, at FTRS Joey, hoping for some perspective on Florida games getting moved around or canceled. Uh, where are you at, Thirty Eight Godfrey? I mean, again, it's it's hard to make a take on this. Um, it sucks. It's totally understandable. Um, now, I I think he's referencing. I I don't know if Joey's asking. There's a couple things here. Joey is a is a Georgia Tech guy. They canceled their game against UCF. That's going to hurt. Uh, really, I, I would say more Georgia Tech. I'm possibly making a bowl this year. Um, I get that. Maybe there's a waiver. 
five and seven teams can already get into bowls. Um, I wouldn't be shocked considering the giant nasty money machine that chomps through college athletics that they don't, they're never going to have an issue where bowls go empty. They're, they will literally take a two and right. 10 team and plug it yeah, in. And South them. Alabama, didn't they get like some accommodation last year for changing their game? They, they ended up with two FCS wins, but they got the waiver and got to go bowling anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so if it's that, I wouldn't worry if you're a team that's trying to, you know, concerned about that six win, you know, line, if it's, the conference games, they're going to get made up. There has to be an emphasis on this. I'll just touch on this quickly. I didn't really write about it. Maybe I will. The, the way that Florida, Tennessee was handled by the league this, this week is the 110% absolute response to how poorly the conference, the SEC, handled LSU and Florida last year and let that spill out into the press, and there was a lot of anger. Um, they just flat out stepped in and said, this game is going to be played. This is, how, this is when it's going to be played. This is going to happen. Now, I know it's going to be tough in Gainesville. I know there's still a lot of roads in Gainesville that are underwater. Um, I don't buy into the conspiracy theories or the, just the dirty, dirty comments on both sides, which, by the way, I know Gainesville took a lot of water and people in Florida are hurting right now, but like a bunch of Florida fans said a bunch of terrible stuff about LSU because of the way that went down last year. Yeah. I don't think any of that really matters. I don't think it, it's all kind of really terrible conjecture for these fans. It's also like how, if you're a Florida fan, how can you accuse LSU of profiteering from hurricanes? Like LSU invented that. <laughs> not invented profiteering. I invent, invented suffering from a hurricane. They played a home game at Arizona State after Katrina. Um, yeah, I, I think the best solution here is um, for fans to just suck it up and stop talking shit about this. Uh, it's stupid. Just, it's really, yeah, really please, stupid. Just leave the whole hurricane thing alone. Now, Florida State, I know Florida State and Miami are going to move. That makes sense. It's going to be a great game. I really do hope all the team. Yeah, I'm a sucker, and I say this as an Atlanta Falcons fan who had to just suffer through every Chicago Cubsizing of the of the New Orleans Saints after Katrina. But I am like, I hope the Astros win the World Series this year. You know, yeah. I hope I hope Miami has an amazing Cinderella year because that city's underwater right now, and a lot of people's families, a lot of really, really, really poor football players who have really, really poor families are suffering the most from this. So yeah, I hope it's great. Um, yeah, I checked on. I mean, for not that. PAPN listeners need perspective on this, but yeah, I mean, the city got evacuated. Like, how, where's football fall on your priority list at that point? Like, I, our uh, friend of PAPN, former guest host Manny Diaz, uh, like packed up as their family packed up as much as they could, and they drove to Tallahassee um, or somewhere up north uh, on like Friday slash Saturday to to escape the monstrous uh, hurricane that was hitting and putting their city underwater. By the Football way, that's not a short drive is, normally for those of you no. who are not familiar with Florida. That's an impossible drive during an evacuation. That's an ex- that's a, that that sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, like, just uh, here, actually, uh, instead of complaining about fans who probably aren't listening to this show anyway, let me let me bring uh, let me posit a, a, a proposal to you. I don't think pause it was the right word to That's use, okay. but whatever. We'll let it run. Um, what if, you know, in the name of rescheduling, in the name of so many teams having to reschedule games or find new opponents now, what if, since we have three months until Championship Saturday, or almost three months, what if we move Championship Saturday back a week? Oh, Lord. Here we go. You, oh, and you that opens up a Saturday for all of this. You mean stuff. just because yeah. I mean, yeah. It, uh, I, well, I can tell you a couple of reasons why it can't happen right now. But um, the the agreements that are in place for the championship sites 
are um, predicated on the date. Well, I understand. Uh, I also understand it's there. You've got three months to figure that out. That's true. That's a um, good point. I, like, also, I mean, I don't know what's scheduled. If there's a concert scheduled for Atlanta yeah. uh, the Saturday after, or just uh, played on a Friday night. Atlanta. Right, like the entire. The, yeah, I mean, that's not the, end, in, I mean, that's not, that's not the end of the world. Uh, but I mean, so like, I mean, with all the logistical issues and knowing how much money and ticket sales matter to school budgets, uh, like at least explore the possibility of moving everything back a week, uh, you know, around Army Navy. Like, I don't think CBS would complain too much about having to sculpt a new schedule around Army Navy followed by the SEC title game. Oh, they would love that. And it would like a leading right into the Heisman or whatever, or help push the Heisman back too. I don't or care. Cancel it. Um, Right. Just don't cancel Peisman. That's really all I request. Um, But no, like just you have three months to figure it out. And if you were to push back those those days, because, I mean, that just puts a that affixes a uh, a a wall like you have to get whatever you're going to get rescheduling uh, wise. You have to do it before that Saturday. Add a Saturday to the schedule. Um, It's a worthy cause, I think. And uh, I have not heard that discussed anywhere else because it probably is impossible, but it shouldn't be impossible. There should be ways to work this out. And let's face it, we've had storm delays impact schedules many, many times, and it's only going to continue being more and more of a thing. We should probably have contingency in place to figure out how I think we're do it. I think you definitely have to establish a, a window for maneuverability in the future, and they're going to have to find a way to do that with some of these neutral site buildings and, and all this stuff. I think it's a good idea. Um, on a lighter note, as we as we transition out, I would just... Did you know that someone actually asked for a New Mexico, New Mexico State breakdown? Yes. Okay. Shout out to uh, to loyal or slightly insane listener PJ Guan for requesting that. I didn't see that in the questions as we started this segment. Bill, <laughs> our Friday night pick... We're just going to talk about New Mexico no matter what. Terrifying. Uh, our Friday night pick, obviously, is Illinois and South Florida. You go with yes. that. And I think Illinois has a very good chance of winning this game. Number one, because they're so, I think they're they're going to be just one of those sound teams this year. They don't have the talent. They don't have a massive amount of athleticism, but if they play a, a team that is particularly volatile or lays an egg or whatever, they can win. USF has made a <laughs> has made a purpose out of of not playing in the first half so far this year. And mm-hmm. if they do that, they're going to be in serious, serious trouble. All right, Bill, let's do it real fast. Uh, I'll, I'll get questions in when I can, and then we'll take the remainder at the end. Uh, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, um, I'll run all the way through 12 o'clock Central Time. Air Force, Michigan, uh, West Virginia hosting Delaware State, Iowa State, the salty Iowa State Cyclones go to Akron. Kansas, to Akron. Kansas is at Ohio. That's Big 12 at Mac Day. Uh, ULL goes to Texas A&M. Watch out. No, Northern Illinois. No. Actually, ULL sucks. Uh, Northern Illinois is at Nebraska. Oklahoma State goes to Pitt. Uh, Low-key interesting. We'll get to that in a second. Um, UCLA, this is going to be my pick, definitely. UCLA goes to Memphis <laughs> at 11 a.m. Central. That's a dangerous place to play. If Memphis is, if the Memphis fans care, the Liberty Bowl can be uh, inhospitable. And U- it's 9 a.m. Uh, yes. Body clock, place. baby. Body clock. Uh, UConn goes to Virginia. That's gross. Uh, Baylor is at Duke, and we will stop there. You skipped Furman and NC State. I did, actually. Furman and NC State. I'm trying to weed out the, the weird FCS games that are on FCS on FCS. <laughs> and, you know, the Ivies and that crap. 
Um, eesh, it's better than the last two morning slots have been. Definitely go with UCLA. My, my quality picker is without a doubt UCLA at Memphis. Uh, this is a better UCLA team than I expected. I have to stop talking about Jim Moore getting fired because it looks like it's not going to happen. Uh, Josh Rosen is good. He's fun to watch. Memphis, we don't really know because they had a really, really important game with UCF. Now, this one's interesting to me, going back to the Florida thing for a second. Memphis UCA, UCF is probably – they're going to need to rectify that because it's, it's definitely going to impact what happens in the AAC. And I think it could have impact on the G5 picture overall as we go further on in the season. So I'll be interested to see what they're going to do about that one. Um, UCLA, this is a trap game, sort of. It's a massive trap game. Well, it's just that I don't – I watched the end of that Memphis game, which was ironically played in the – I think I talked about on the show, that that weird arm of Harvey that came directly into Tennessee and soaked them. Uh, they almost they almost gave up the ghost against ULM in the in the waning moments of the game. So um, I want to say that this is one of those games where Memphis pounces on somebody nationally, but uh, I don't know. UCLA may be way better than I thought. UCLA might have been saved, like Mora might have been saved in the same way that Mark Stoops was saved last year, where um, they they uh, uh, he hires you know some good passing coaches and he's got uh, what's his name Barker at quarterback and they start the year uh, they blow a big lead against Southern Miss they look like crap Barker gets hurt uh, and then with a more dual threat quarterback who can't pass all that well they have no choice but to lean on the run game and they discover oh wait our run game is really good and they and they go to a bowl because of their run game that they didn't start the year really leaning on all that much UCLA started the season whatever whatever offense they were in, intending to run this season went out the door in the third quarter against Texas A&M and so Rosen this was part of the numerical yesterday Rosen began the season six for 17 for 35 yards since then he is 51 of 67 for 785 yards Uh, that is a cool let's see that is a cool 76 percent completion rate Mm. um, with vertical passing like it really it, this could become a Kentucky situation, except in theory uh, with a uh, with higher upside because they figured they figured out there's well okay we what we want to do we can't do because we still can't run the ball. Like, Air raid Josh Rosen baby. It seems to be kind of the direction they've gone, mm-hmm. and it might end up being the best thing possible for them until the off season when Moore tries to go back to a pro style offense because he doesn't ever really seem to learn lessons very well. So all right. Um, so, yes, I, I'm more confident in UCLA now than I was before, but that's still a really awkward game, and Memphis is really fast. Let's run into the afternoon real fast. Northern Colorado goes to Colorado. It's on Pac-12 Network. You're not going to watch it. Um, huh, NTSU, sneaky good. Goes to Minnesota, sneaky good. Uh, Rutgers has Morgan State. North Texas is at Iowa. Notre Dame is at Boston College. Gross. SMU is at TCU. The skillets can be really interesting this year. Tennessee, Florida, it's your big old CBS fanfare. Man, man, remember that game mattered. <sighs> Pause. Uh, Virginia Tech is at ECU on CBS Sports Network. Wisconsin. Somebody's cranky today. I'm not cranky. I just, that game used to mean something, and now it doesn't. Uh, ask a Tennessee fan. Ask a Florida fan. Uh, Wisconsin goes to BYU on ABC. Auburn hosts Mercer. Hosts Mercer. Um... By the way, I just like that these things are randomly thrown in here on this LSU schedule. Ohio Dominican is at Penn, just in case you wanted to if watch it's on that. TV, LSUfootball.net includes Because it. it's on the SNY network. Uh, uh, the SEC network has your game, Purdue coming to Missouri. That about Jeff Brom. You get a, ooh, you're going to have some good Jeff Brom analysis next week. Um, Army at Ohio State on at, wow, that's a 3.30 central game on Fox, like Fox Plain. That's interesting. 
Uh, Oregon State is at Wazoo. I feel like this game shouldn't be at 4.30 Central, but rather 9.30 Central. Uh, maybe they're finally starting to figure out that that's a problem. And then uh, we'll, I'll stop before 6, but Bethune-Cookman is at Florida Atlantic. That is interesting for Florida Atlantic for a couple of reasons. Uh, as of a couple hours ago, they were still in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They've been practicing in Wisconsin. Um, and on top of that, their defensive coordinator, Chris Kiffin, has not been with them. He's been at the COI hearing for Ole Miss. So, um, so it's a game at FAU. at FAU in Camp Randall. I guess. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, weird afternoon. Um, not the best. Uh, if I'm going to go straight, this is going to sound strange, I guess, but if I'm going to go f- things to watch uh, in terms of a fun viewing experience, as bad as Ohio State's offense has been, I kind of want to watch them play Army. I, I mean, obviously I wrote that thing on Army last year, and, and I know those coaches pretty well now. I'm just interested to see what Army at Ohio State looks like. Um, before you get to a good evening, this is a light, nappish Saturday afternoon. No, this is- I guarantee there will be a couple of really fun games in here. You I'm just trying have to, to have find the weirdness. Game. And I'm thinking I'm Middle like, Tennessee, Minnesota yeah, has potential because both teams yeah. have looked really good once and really terrible once. Um, SMU TCU, I do not think will be interesting because I think TCU might be tremendous again. Their wow. defense okay. has looked like TCU defense. Um, and so if that is the case, that won't be much of a game. But in theory, if, if they have any glitches, SMU is, is a better SMU and could stick around. Albert, uh, Albert Diago Sanchez at Albert Diago 17 asks us, does SMU have any chance? I assume he, I don't know for the season. Yeah, definitely. At least until people want A&M to hire your coach. Um, do they have a chance in this game? Um, I think they have a better chance than Bill thinks. How about that? Well, I mean, they, they have a, a, an up-tempo. Their, their offense is poised and ready to take advantage of any, uh, we, of any advantages they find. So that's good. Um, they are more capable of playing what Chad Morris wants to. I just don't know if they're going to find any advantages. That's the problem. So, um, I mean, they've scored 58 against SFA. They scored 54 against North Texas. They're in very good shape. Um, but this specific game, not so much. Every other game on the schedule, I think, is potentially winnable. Um, let me rephrase. I don't think they're going 11 and one, but this is the least winnable game remaining on the schedule. Otherwise they've got a chance in every single game they play. And Keith Sharma at Canes fans, four, eight, four, nine, um, loyal listener. And he's asked a lot of questions before is UFUT this weekend, uh, a hot seat game are both, or are both guys safe for the season? Uh, no and no. Um, no, it's not a hot seat game. They're not going to predicate anything for Butch or for McElwain based off this single game. I don't know if, if either are particularly 100% safe. I don't know if they have the ability to be 100% safe this year without winning the division or really having the East wrapped up early. Um, and right. with, with Georgia looming, I don't think that's uh, going to happen. So no one's going to get canned right after the game, regardless of the outcome. But um, I, I know I don't think either. I don't even. I don't think either staff is particularly comfortable right now. Right, and and I mean part of that is because Butch Jones never appears to be comfortable. But um, I really, I think, if he's I, alive, he's got a problem. Right, and um, and and McElwain, I, Mac, I think McElwain is maybe one percent less safe than Butch at the moment. But yeah, there, it would take some pretty, it would take a pretty dramatic fall, I think, for either one of them to be. But okay, so SMU TCU, technically t- Tennessee Florida has been very exciting in the fourth quarter the last two years. It's just not a game you need to pay attention to until the fourth quarter. Um, Wisconsin BYU gross, Virginia Tech ECU gross. 
I, well, let me pause I, right there. Kyle Badgers fan, uh, which is at Kyle M- in MKE. I think that means Milwaukee. He says, is at BYU a sneaky trap game for Wisconsin, or is BYU just bad, Stephen? Um, I don't. BYU is bad on offense. Yeah, I don't think it's a trap game. If if Wisconsin screws around and and they finish the game with like sixteen points, then you're then it's then you're always going to be pretty nervous. Um, and but I mean BYU just doesn't have an offense. Like their defense, I think is is very 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 sound. Um, that but you kind of need to score points, and that seems to be an issue. Um, but anyway, like you're going to end up watching Purdue. And, like let's not beat around the bush here. You're going to end up watching Purdue Missouri for a little while wait, because because it uh, in to. terms of pure entertainment. Me. Because of pure entertainment potential, it is easily the most high-ceiling game on in the middle of the day because of entertainment. Don't pretend it's not. Eddie uh, Bajek, E. Bajek 85, uh, I'm assuming that the whole show will be about Purdue, Missouri, so no need for me to ask it to be just And <laughs> at A.N. Gregory says, how worried is Bill about Purdue? And Mo- at Mojave Kelly says, do a breakdown of Missouri-Purdue. The masses, the masses want to talk no. about this game. You think you're going to win? I think the odds are still in Missouri's favor, but obviously those odds have shrunk a little bit. I, it is funny watching um, – it's, it's like as a thought experiment, um, Missouri, like watching Missouri fans react to, to the South Carolina loss. I mean, it was a game where Missouri outgained South Carolina. It was basically a repeat of last year's South Carolina game where, where Missouri has more yards and more turnovers and loses um, and, and more special teams mistakes. I think because it was kind of a flashback, um, people have already – in in their heads now, Missouri is like two and six, but they're one and one, and they still have three extremely winnable non conference games. And like looking at their conference schedule, Arkansas, Florida, uh, uh, Kentucky, like there are lots of beatable teams still on the schedule. But I think since it was a flashback to last year's uh, issues, there were some drops in the game. It just kind of looked like a 2016 game. I think everybody has gone into we're doomed, we're doomed mood. And it's just kind of funny. I mean, everybody thinks that after a loss. Um, but it is like I saw multiple things like on a Q&A at, at the Missouri rival site. Somebody said, due to Missouri's terrible start, our recruits starting to blah, blah, blah. They're one on one. They're one on one. And they've outgained both opponents. They're not. It's not over, Homer, but um, Homer, it, Homer. It, it's certainly Homer. Yeah, it, it's certainly going to be a little more difficult to get to six wins if you lose to Purdue, though. Uh, Tyson Allenbaugh, what in the bleep is going on with Oregon State? Obviously not a blue blood, but are they a seven, eight, or nine win ceiling program? How can they fix it? Um, they played a tough early schedule, and they're not good right now, and they're probably the second worst team that I can think of in the league, and they're going to lose at Wazoo. <laughs> Look at that! I did um, I did analysis about Bill. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I mean, they. I thought they'd be a little better this year. They still have time to get better this year, but, but yeah, they um, did have a tough early schedule. But that, yeah, their their defense is is clearly miserable at the moment. That's you know they give up fifty eight to Colorado State and forty eight to Minnesota and whatever there was thirty something I think to to Portland State. Uh, clearly, that's a little bit of an issue they've got to work through, and and I thought maybe they would get there just because I really like Gary Anderson as a defensive coach. Speaking of which, um, Cameron Soran asks, we know that Gary Anderson can coach. Oregon State facilities are better than ever, but Beavers are in free fall. What's wrong, and how can Oregon State fix it? Um, I will point out that among their leading tacklers right now, I just pulled up their stat pre, uh, profile. By the way, stat profiles up. 
at football study hall. Go check them out. Uh, their leading tackler is a freshman safety. Their third leading tackler is a sophomore safety. Um, the, one of their leading tacklers, freshman linebacker, sophomore linebacker, sophomore cornerback. Um, and then I go up. Let's see. Do, do, do. Yep, they're 119th right now in passing success rate allowed. I think we've kind of honed in on their problem a little bit. Uh, they are think, starting over in the secondary. I think Gary Anderson was assured that people would leave him alone and give him time, and that's the exact thing that he didn't get and didn't want to deal with at Wisconsin. He yeah. took over for a guy who had a really plum situation for a long time who decided that he wanted to put up with meddlesome headaches at a Big Ten program. It's very <laughs> interesting how that works. Uh, yeah, they're 39th right now in offensive success rate, yeah. and they're 0-3, so that kind of tells you what the problem is. At the uh, Corvallis, give it time. Uh, I don't think you should be fired yet. Don't measure yourself against Oregon. I know you don't want to hear that, but they're doing something of a different caliber. I know that's a bitter pill. I get that, but it's the truth. Um, a couple more Florida-Tennessee uh, questions. Uh, will the Florida offense be more productive against Tennessee than the Sycamores of Indiana State were last week? <laughs> I mean, we've seen the, we, we have one piece of sampling from Florida's offense, and it was a neutral site game against a really good opponent. So maybe the sky has not imploded completely. Maybe. I don't know. I was, I think, I, yeah. I was trying to be really nice here. That was moist dog. Yeah, and, and you're technically right. You are technically right. Um, I think you know we, we really need to see more from the quarterback position, and obviously what we saw in week one did not assuage any of those concerns. Sorry, I'm just laughing at our stupid fans' questions. we got to move into the evening. Um, I'm trying to get to all of these because it was an exceptionally good batch of questions. Um, yeah, actually, it really was. All right, 6 p.m. Central. Let's start with uh, Colorado State and Alabama. Don't watch that. Uh, Idaho State goes to Nevada. Uh, LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, here's where This is where it starts to get really good. LSU at Mississippi State at 6 p.m. in ESPN. Oregon and Wyoming gets relegated to CBS Sports Network. Um, uh, Northwestern hosts Bowling Green. Georgia State goes to Penn State. Um, I wonder if that has anything to do with the camp that they co-hosted together. Uh, oh, yeah, possibly. Uh, K-State is at Vanderbilt. We're going to talk a lot about that in a second because your boy is going to be there. Kentucky goes to South Carolina. Um, you better get it together, stoopsy. Uh, Georgia hosts Samford. I always have to be careful with how I pronounce that. Uh, not Stanford. Arizona State goes to Texas Tech. Um, hmm, Arizona State goes to Texas Tech. Anxiety alert. Cincinnati and Miami of Ohio play their rivalry game. Clemson is at Louisville. That's probably the game, except for, oh, well, let me mention Troy is at New Mexico State. Texas <laughs> is at USC. We'll devote a, a marginal amount of time to that in a second. Washington hosts Fresno State. That'll be a bloodbath. Yeah, now, and then we're to the, the yeah. Pac-12 after dark, so we'll stop. Uh, yeah, we'll hang. Yeah, let's hang tight there because it's. There's at least one interesting game in that batch. Maybe I tell you two, what, if anything, one. let's we'll stop. Let's throw Texas USC at 7:30 into the night batch, just because they okay. may <laughs> throw the ball a lot and take a long time. Okay. Uh, here are the good games, Bill. I found them. Um, you're, I know what you're going to watch, but I really think LSU at Mississippi State is going to be a really interesting game. It, I'm, that's one of the two games I'm most interested in. And, and when I say that, it's, it's kind of like what, what are we going to learn about the teams? Interesting, yes. not like national title interesting, although technically LSU, until they lose, is a national title contender. Uh, well, technically, What did you so say about them dogs, Bill? Um... 
But yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm really, really, really interested in LSU Mississippi State because LSU has looked pretty much perfect so far. Mm-hmm. I realize they haven't opened the playbook up all that much and they haven't had to, and they're not going to until they have to. They kind of have to this week because um, Mississippi State is, if anybody's going to score some points on LSU, it's going to be Mississippi State, especially in Starkville. They've got a, a really, really solid uh, offense. So, and, and a defense that will attack LSU and might have just enough. Um, girth along the front four uh three i guess front three now um they might be able to kind of at least frustrate lsu a little bit in terms of the ground game this so is 100 percent. this is 100 percent the plan right now for todd grantham bother etling they're yeah. not going to beat them in space they're not going to beat them on matchups secondary versus receiving core versus tight end versus running back they're not going to do that that's not how mississippi state wins these games they're going to win by bringing all out, all out hell and confusion. That's what Collins succeeded at when he was a defensive coordinator there. Is he, I'm not saying they're not a talented defense. They are. They have talented pieces on that defense. They are going to have to bring a level of confusion and just a general level of uncomfort for Etling to start making bad decisions and making mistakes in a system that he's only run for two games. Yeah, so far, and this is against... Um you know, Charleston Southern and Louisiana Tech. So far, uh, Mississippi State is fifth in the country in success rate and fifth in my explosiveness uh, ISO PPP. Now, again, that's not adjusted for opponent, but they've still completely and totally shut down Charleston Southern and Louisiana Tech, and Louisiana Tech's got athletes. So they're not going to completely shut down LSU, but they won't have to if they're scoring some points. This is a very, very, on both sides of the ball, this is an extremely efficient team, and they will they will make... LSU play. This is the official start of LSU season yes. now. And um, I assume LSU will pass the test, but we don't know it until it happens. And, and they'll have to really kind of break into the playbook a little bit. I mean, LSU played a bad Wyoming team. It's going to get cheap and dirty with you. But they had a controlled scrimmage after that, and that's pretty much it. So uh, LSU, man, I, I don't know if we want to give them this kiss of death, but they're definitely the most interesting team to watch. Last last week we said that about Auburn and Stanford. Um yeah. Or, well, technically, we did learn things about both Auburn and Stanford. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were all bad. Uh, Oregon and Wyoming. Um, the Bloom's kind of off the rose a little bit for me on this game. Um, this will be the best defense that Josh Allen faces this year, and it's a defense that isn't good. This is all no, it, it was Iowa was the best oh, defense. Oh, you're right. No, no, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, okay, so along those lines, it'll be interesting to see if they can score a touchdown because they didn't at that game. So... And as somebody pointed out after um, after the the loss to Iowa, here so Josh Allen in in his one and uh, almost one and a quarter seasons uh, at uh, Wyoming as a starting quarterback, uh, again in his two games against F against um, Power Conference opponents. Man, I'm struggling to spit this out. He had five interceptions against Nebraska, and he had two against Iowa. He had total, he has 17 in two years, uh, and seven of those have come against the two power conference teams he's faced. So he has something to prove. And it, granted, Oregon's defense, not Iowa's defense, uh, but it's better than most of the defenses he's going to face, and it's and it's faster than most of the defenses he's going to face now. And he needs a good performance because they're going to give up points and this is a this is obviously a very good program building opportunity for wyoming here uh they got oregon to come to laramie and they have a chance to beat them because oregon's defense isn't very good they have to make sure oregon's defense isn't very good and doesn't like pick off three passes or something we have some questions about kentucky 
I don't know yeah. why. Um, we have one that is, is general enough to apply to Kentucky. Um, I don't know why. But this is what people wanted to talk about. So uh, sorry in advance. Um, Josh, Josh S. White asks, which 8-4 and four team do you think wins the SEC East? And I'll parlay that into Robbie, uh, Robbie KY137. Is Kentucky screwed more than usual this year? Or is it just normal Kentucky football screwed? <laughs> Robbie, that's a tough question. Maybe a little bit more than usual Kentucky football screwed. Maybe. Um, South Carolina can win this game and start to really put together a nice early season, um, especially because they are still very much a work in progress. This would be a good conference win. It would be a conference win for them um, coming off of beating uh, your Missouri Tigers. Hmm. And uh, NC State. Like, I, this was looking at their schedule in the uh, – in the, preseason in my preview yeah. um so it, there's a, a scenario on the table where south carolina was a, a legitimately improved team over last year and still started like one and three or two and three or one and four something in that neighborhood because they had nc state they had a what was on paper a 50 50 uh toss-up game at missouri now they've got a 60 40 game against kentucky uh and then they, in a couple of weeks to go at a&m like those are all very tricky games if you get to four and oh here and then even if you slip up against a&m or really slip up at home against Arkansas or whatever the situation is, that's still a, you, you got your shots in early in the season and now you're in play. Now you've got things are in place for like an eight and four year at the, at the very least. And that's good because you still can't ta- eventually not being able to outgain opponents yards do matter on average. And, and so when you give up more of them and then you gain every single game, you have to get a special teams break and you have to get um, the like turnovers uh, in your favor. You have to get these things. Um, eventually you're not going to get those. And so this will catch up a little bit, but if you get, I mean, obviously Kentucky's very, very beautiful. Kentucky's two and, and oh, by um, the way. just wanted to point yeah. that out. I know it's, it's all doom and gloom, but interesting thing about Kentucky schedule is this. So let's say they win this game and let's, let's say they can, they can get some breaks on the road. Okay. Turnover specifically. They have Florida. They're going to lose that game. It's at home. Eastern Michigan, they have Missouri. It's at home. Then the the kind of the gulag is at Mississippi State, Tennessee at home. Ole Miss, we still don't know. They could fall apart tomorrow. Like, I mean, yeah. with everything that's going on around that program. Um, then they're at Vandy. It's a game I think I'm gonna they're gonna lose. By the way, Commodores, Bill, you are wrong. Uh, at Georgia, and two then games, two games into the season. <laughs> at Georgia, and then Louisville at the end. There's a way this breaks that Kentucky hides their badness and under the blanket of Mark Stoops' buyout and nothing really changes this year. I think it's possible. Yeah, no. Um, right now, like with the S&P, which doesn't love Kentucky, um, doesn't hate them either, but with the with you know, S&P projections right now, they, they have a 63% chance of getting to 6-6 six and six or better. Mm. Um, so, no, it, this is not a doom and gloom situation. You get to 6-6, six and six, even if you wanted more, that's not fireable at Kentucky unless you go six and six like another four years in a row. Um, so okay, we gotta we gotta speed it up a little bit. Um, Arizona State's not good. No, Texas Tech, I don't trust. No, they Texas Tech would like answered every question they possibly could against Eastern Washington. Now they have to do it eleven more times. By the way, Texas Tech was on a bye last week because scheduling is a yep. not an exact science. Um, it was an FCS team. It's a good FCS team. I get all that stuff, but um, 
Hey, man. The- yeah, they were great. They were very, very good. Now, it's just it was one game, and now I have to do it again and again. Let's see Let's see exactly what's going to happen there. Um, I, I, I feel pretty good in knowing that Arizona State's bad, but Texas Tech being any kind of good or at least even, like, trustworthy before they get to conference play, I don't know. Right. So not a, I don't know if it's necessarily a game you watch, a game you keep an eye on. Um, okay. Yeah, keep an eye on it. Clemson, Louisville. Um, it really – I have no feeling or flavor for the one side of the ball, and then I have a tremendous amount of interest in what possibly could be the most dynamic player in college football against maybe one of the best defenses in college football, if not the best defense in college yeah. football. Um, and, and as far as when I say stuff like best defense – I'm not Bill. I'm not even a normal sports writer that really kind of crunches through stats that Bill and I laugh at. I just don't think that way. What I'm thinking about when I think about Clemson and saying best defense in college football is they prepare situation to situation and game plan specifically to big-time opponents extremely well. Yes, I was at the Fiesta Bowl. Um they're really yeah, they really have the pieces. When you've got that many pieces and an open mind, you can come up with some really interesting game plans. Brent Venables is – I don't even know how the hell – he just doesn't get talked about as – he just doesn't get talked about as the, like – I hate the word genius in applications, but, like, he's really good, man. And he's really happy being the defense coordinator at Clemson, which is just great for Clemson. Um, I think they're going to make Lamar uncomfortable. I think that they have paid zero mind to this whole, we're going to put them in the pocket more, get them ready for the NFL business. Um, they are more talented and more versatile than North Carolina is, was. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think Lamar gets them a couple times because he's just that good. It may be breakaway yeah, plays. No, I mean, it may be. Basically, this team. Compared to last year, when they, you know, when they played an incredible game last year, that you know Louisville comes up a yard short on fourth down. Um, since then, Louisville's defense is worse, Clemson's offense is worse, and the other two units are as good or maybe better, uh, or probably about the same, honestly. So if Clemson scores in theory, points in this game early, got, it's over. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I could see kind of a repeat of last year's game. You know, if you remember, like both offenses were just like ragged early on lots of mistakes lots of you know, a few big plays and drops and just kind of everybody was a little volatile i could see that game playing out except the, the except that scenario lasts longer uh so you have more mistakes and, and it's kind of a sloppy game but at some point there's an exchange of two or three possessions in a row where things get really heated up and and uh some points end up on the board very possible all right uh bill i will be at a football yep. game pretty excited yeah. about it also We've had a lot of people ask questions about this particular football game. Um, a guy I've never known, it's another I legally disavow. His name is Bunky Perkins. He says, Stephen, first-time caller, <laughs> long-time listener. My question is simple. Vandy? <laughs> Bill? Vandy? So, yeah, uh, this is another game where I am completely interested in what happens on one side of the ball and not so much on the other. Um, so Vanderbilt has allowed six points in two games. Can I pause right there for you? Uh, just to squeeze this in from our friend Hutch and go Hutch in go. What stats are most predictive for a team that dominated a weak non-conference schedule? And then parentheses, he puts efficiency, a state Vandy. Okay. Continue efficiency. And that's kind of what makes this interesting. So, um, two weeks, two weeks and four weak opponents into the season. Although I mean, middle Tennessee is not as weak as the other three. I think Vanderbilt proved more in that game than the other three games that these two teams have played. Um, so but two weeks into the season, Vanderbilt is second in defensive, defensive success rate. 
Two weeks into the season, Kansas State is second in offensive success rate. Kansas State does not move backwards. Um, they have been able to grind out four, five, six, seven, eight yards reliably because they've uh, got a really underrated uh, quarterback in Jesse Ertz, who has also completed some deep balls. Um, Vanderbilt has made a ton of, of havoc plays, uh, has gotten hands on passes, has gotten into the backfield. Really, a lot of things they did not do even with Zach Cunningham last year. Um, and it was against Middle Tennessee and Alabama A&M. Now they've got a real power five lineup to go against, and I have no idea what happens. This could be – I could – like if one unit dominates the other, whichever one it is, I'm not going to be completely surprised, but I don't know what to predict. I don't know what means more at this point because I really, really – I really, really trust Kansas State's offense at this point. I'm starting to trust Vanderbilt's defense, but I guess I need to see them do it against Kansas State. VU fanatic, second-time caller, long-time listener. My question, Vandy? Do you feel at all bad about <laughs> crapping all over my beloved Commodores? No. Okay. What am I going to do at this game? What am I going to see? I, I mean, that's the whichever when Kansas State has the ball, something's going to happen, and that's the story. Um, like the game might be decided by what else happens because I don't really love Kansas State's defense, and I definitely don't love Vanderbilt's offense. I think it has to be. Uh, I, I think it has to be. Can Vanderbilt be a functional offense? 28 points against Middle Tennessee State. I, I don't know. I don't know. You throw out, the, right. throw, I mean, that's out the, yeah. throw out Alabama A&M, and it's just, I don't know. The answer was no for the majority of last year. They looked good towards the end against Tennessee and Ole Miss. I just don't know. I will say this. Um, I just saw this. So Kansas State's defense, I'm assuming this was calculated right, surely, um, 112th in defensive success rate right now. Um, that's, Brent, that's Ben Don't Break as hell. Right. And you've only played Central Arkansas and Charlotte. So that's worrisome. They're very good at preventing big plays. And I assume Vanderbilt's not going to generate many big plays. But Vanderbilt has been very efficient against, quote-unquote, overwhelmed opponents so far. So maybe that's the edge right there. Maybe they're, you know, if it's a stalemate on one side of the ball, Vanderbilt's efficiency beats Kansas State's defense, defensive inefficiency. Maybe that's the edge right there. The over-under on this game is if, if they score 30 combined points, then Vanderbilt wins the game. How's that? <laughs> Kansas State's offense is good. I'm setting the bar higher than that. I, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. The, the weather is supposed to be, wait, let me, yeah, weather's supposed to be fine, so, I don't know. No, I, I, I think Kansas State is good enough to score a, a certain number of points on anybody, so I, I just hope it's not a look game impressive. for the mighty, look ahead game for the mighty Commodores, because Alabama is coming to Nashville next week. By the way, note to self, don't go outside. No, uh, yeah, bad idea. All right, Bill. The last little slice. Texas. Um, so we have Texas USC at uh, 7.30 on Fox, and then Fresno State at Washington will be a bloodbath. San Jose State at Utah will be a bloodbath. Uh, Ole Miss goes to Cal. Lots of, lots of question here. Is this, is this actually the best Pac-12 after dark game ever? It kicks off at 9.30 Central. So that's 9.30 Central body clock for the Rebels. Um, and then Stanford goes to San Diego State. That's kind of a I, well, I got kind of interested to see how Stanford rebounds and San Diego State out. You know, yeah, Stanford, San Diego State does the exact like the the USC kind of been able to push Stanford around. That's exactly what San Diego State's going to try to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll succeed, but they're going to try it. And if it works again, I mean, it wouldn't be an amazing surprise. But yeah, uh, Ole Miss, California, that's drunk. Like just yeah. pairing those team, two teams together is drunk. Honestly, I'm totally fine with just put the label on the marquee and just say that the watchable game here is, is in the night slot, Texas, USC, that's fine. And then if you want to have fun, I, I would definitely check out Ole Miss Cal. Cause those two home games for Washington, Utah are going to be ugly. Um, yeah. you know, if probably the PA penny game is definitely, uh, Stanford at San Diego state, but I just think that 
So Texas and USC. Um, uh, we had a question. At M. McKillop asked, in a scenario where USC struggles against Texas, where exactly do they struggle? Where does UT match up well against the Trojans? Well, they struggle defensively because they've given up 31 points to Western Michigan and 24 to Stanford. Yep. Um, but they have not proven that their defense – like we had questions about their defense. They have not proven those questions were uh, unwarranted so far. So, te- so I, there is absolutely a scenario on the board where Texas – is able to move the ball pretty well. If they can do it early, if they can get confident in short passing and not try and win the entire game in the first quarter, I realize I'm a little bit in TV analyst cliche land, but it's just based on the passing offense I saw against Maryland. Do the small things right first and stay calm and and don't turn the ball over, and I think you're in. Otherwise, I just, I don't know. I don't see this happening. Maryland. Yeah, it fell apart. It fell apart so early for Texas against Maryland. That was the biggest, um, you know, they come right out and they get a tip. What is it? A tipped pick six. No, no, no. They scored on the tip to pick six. And then they gave up a couple of big plays. Um, like they, they they did not get off on the right foot in terms of the run game. Chris Warren had six carries for 31 yards, but he only had six carries. Um, they kind of seemed to, with Ehlinger in the game last week, because Bouchel was out, Warren, they leaned on Warren more. He had 16 carries for 166. Like, I think that's going to be kind of the key is establishing the run. We saw against Stanford that, that you can run the ball on USC. Um, and if they can just do that and, yeah, keep Bouchel or whoever the hell the quarterback's going to be at this point um, out of serious trouble, then, yeah, they can move the ball. And if they, and if they can run the well, ball well and therefore keep the ball out of USC's hands a little bit, uh, all the better. This is very, very hard, and I know we're not supposed to do this, but t- to look at Texas and not see USC finding a way to cre- to get that big play based on what I saw versus Maryland. USC's too talented, right. and, too talented in offense for that not to happen. And if it happens early, I mean, I just I don't Texas is yeah, offense engineering a comeback on the road. I'm I'm not ready to go that far. And here is, like, in terms of small sample all-stars, here is where we remember that Tom Herman is untouchable as an underdog. Um, yeah, I get that. Like, I was at so that Houston-Oklahoma we'll we'll game. What that but... magic, yeah, we'll see what that magic trick is able – what he's able to do at a different school in a different situation. But they are absolutely the, the underdogs here, and I assume we'll get a pretty good Texas. I don't think that'll be enough, but yeah. I think we'll get the best version of Texas. I, that we've I, seen I think Texas being an underdog – or Texas, Texas winning as an underdog – is just not losing this game in a blowout. And I think competing and then maybe showing up in the third, fourth quarter and that kind of stuff. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I think they, ha- they have a chance in this game because they will they, – they, they might be able to move the ball. But, yeah, I mean, there's – you can't pick it. Of course you can't pick it. Um, all right. Cal and Ole Miss means nothing in the, in the larger picture whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it is it – is, um, let me see. Uh, we got a couple questions here. Dr. Clowney uh, asked, what's the going rate for a running game these days? Ole Miss does not have one, uh, I think is what he's getting at because he is an Ole Miss fan. Ole Miss has not run the ball well against two inferior opponents. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, how that's going to translate to Cal on the road. They're going to try to because they're going to try and keep the ball away from Cal. Then they're going to try to, to avoid getting into a shootout on the road because I don't know how confident they are in that right now. Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be all that confident. It is funny, by the way, Cal, um, they're two, Trey Watson's out for the season, one of their three running backs. Their other two running backs, one is Vic Inware, who has 22 carries for 39 yards. The other is Patrick Laird, who has 15 carries for 200 yards. Um, without immediately knowing the circumstances of that, I'm going to assume Laird gets a whole bunch more carries moving forward. Uh, Benoit Smartcar asked, great name. 
Will Ole Miss Cal be the great or greatest Pac-12 after dark game ever? It really does have everything you need. They yeah. could – I know that Sonny Dykes isn't there anymore and the absolute crippling pace of four-yard throw to the sideline, stop the clock, four-yard throw to the sideline, stop the clock. That is not necessarily what they're running right now, but it's not far off. Ole Miss will probably have to play and come from behind, so they're probably going to attempt the same things. They are very talented at wide receiver. I could see this yep. thing stretching a 930 yeah. central kickoff from the Ole Miss side of things. 1 a.m. wouldn't shock me. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, no, I think this counts. I mean, Ole Miss is functionally a Pac-12 team this year anyway, so – yeah, that works. Yeah, they uh, Ole Miss has been throwing the ball just about as frequently as anybody in the country so far, and and in two games that they won pretty easily. So, um, yeah, that could be we, – we could see a lot of passes in this game. Uh, quick cleanup of the non-televised games of the ESPN threes. Um, you know, nothing really that I can see. It's jumping out at me. Kent State at Marshall, um, Idaho at Western Michigan – uh, Rice in Houston, that's, um, you know, obviously going to be a weird thing for everybody involved there because of um, just the devastation that those two programs have had to deal with. Um, I think you know, Houston will be fine, obviously. They're a much more talented team. UTSA coming off the win against Baylor, they're going to play Southern, so they're going to win again. Um, Southern Miss, this is one I, a, a little bit of interest. Southern Miss, I think, is a good football team. I think they they really had a chance with Kentucky. They go to ULM. I don't know what ULM is probably not good, but I was impressed with the way they played against Memphis. Um, Utah State goes to Wake Forest. That would did not make broadcast. I find that to be interesting. Um, kind of scummy towards the bottom here. Tulane goes to Oklahoma. That's on pay-per-view video. That's what happens when your conference doesn't have a network. Um, yeah, they seem to have the, one of those games every year. Yes, yeah. that's what happens. Um, you know, SB Nation as a whole has done a lot with Willie Fritz. Of course, this show loves Willie Fritz, but Oklahoma is a really, really good football team right now, and Tulane oh, yeah. is very much in the midst of figuring it all out. Uh, Tulsa goes to Toledo. Pointsy. Um, that looks to be about it, my man. Um, it's going to be a – I feel like the – oh, Central Michigan's at Syracuse. Who's going to win that game? Yep. I assume Syracuse, but it's not a given. No, definitely not. That's pretty ugly. App State goes to Texas State. See a lot that you know there are games buried on the non-television broadcast side of the LSU football net. Uh, and most of the schedule. ones you've read, by the way, are on ESPN three. If 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 you're just di- if if, the, if the listeners are dying for a hit here, uh, most of those games can be found. Could have moved any of these games to Thursday. I would have given them their due diligence. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm, I'll make a bold prediction. I think we get the weird. I think we get the weirdness. I don't know where the weirdness is going to come from. I think we get the weirdness. Now, having said that, I did I did throw in, you know, the night slot. I said the watch game is, is Texas-USC, which is way too chalk for our program. But, you know, I'm not going to try and steer people towards Stanford-San Diego State because Stanford could just grind them out in response to losing to USC and win a really boring 28-10 to 10 game. Um, I'll be interested to see how much their defense holds against San Diego State. I think they'll be fine. And uh, did you have a pick in the afternoon? Or are we both just going to say LSU at Mississippi State? Because that feels chalky, too. Well, but if Clemson at Louisville is on, um, then technically it's not as chalky as it could be. Oregon at Wyoming, I, I probably... That's definitely a keep-your-eye-on-a-game. Yeah, I probably it could get, undersold that. Yeah, it could get nuts, but... Um, 
if, if, if consequences mean anything to you, then LSU Mississippi State. Because, I mean, Mississippi State's got a really fun offense. And they have a defense capable of forth, forcing third and 93s. So. Hey, speaking of that, Wilson Orr asks, what do you all think is closer to the real Oregon? The first half, 42-14 world beaters, or the second half, barely hanging on Alamo Bowl acid flashback? Good question, Wilson. Um, I wrote about this this week, and I think we don't know yet because it's week two. Well, of course, yeah, no, it's both. I mean, they are both teams. They're learning how to win games again. Jim Levitt, and... was, not, Jim Levitt was not the fix guy. He was the long-term like, he's the guy like, oh, yeah, that's a total crack in your foundation. It's going to take a while, but I can keep this house livable while we fix it. And that's exactly what he's doing. At least, I mean, they created some turnovers against Nebraska. I say that, right? They got him off the field a couple times. Yeah, and they're, I mean, their defense hasn't been miserable. They, like, they, they had a few glitches in the second half against Nebraska, but even in the fourth quarter, um, they were stopping most of the things Nebraska wanted to do. It's 22% success rate for Nebraska in the fourth quarter, I'm seeing. So, My guess is that coaching staff looked back at the second half against Nebraska and was as angry or maybe angrier about the way that they call plays on offense because they just decided, yeah. we're going to, all right, let's grind. And they're not built yeah. to do that. They're they're probably never going to be built to do that. They they decided, all right, let's just let's just lean on them. And they're not really in a position to do that. So I think you know the the second half is as much an offensive issue as it is a defensive issue, or at least halfway home. Uh, we got a bunch of angry, angsty Auburn questions we had to skip over because they're only playing Mercer. Connor McKinney asked, "I probably missed my chance. Am I crazy? Or does 2008, 2018 AU head coach Kevin Steele sound like a good idea. You're completely insane. Yeah, come God, on. That's come depressing. On. I mean, come oof. on. Uh, more people asking about McElwain getting fired. People asking about A&M getting fired. Um, so I think what the best thing for me to do is to wait one more week um, because I'll be honest with y'all. Uh, real quick, anxiety check. Um They'll start with the SEC just because they're the loudest. You know, A&M, Arkansas, Auburn, um, whatever's going to happen in Oxford. And really, I guess you can throw Kentucky in there too. I have not heard from people I've spoken with any real thing worth reporting back, even through, like, and on sources. It's just too early. Um, yeah. Arkansas A&M is going to be something to watch in terms of, of, yeah. of the meter. The problem is, man, I, I just still don't see – I don't see Jeff Long walk, like just shutting down, especially with that contract on Beal. I just don't see it. They do need to start to no. show something. Um, they, it, it yeah, I defended for a long time. I was telling people that Beelum was doing just fine, even though their record was bad because – well, their record was mediocre because they're just in a really tough division. The last – Eight to ten games that he's coached have been very disappointing, yeah. and that can't continue for you know years. Eight to ten, eight to ten games, by the way, is an eternity. Yeah, especially with an eight month off season in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, so that's that's definitely one issue. Um, I don't know. Uh, a, a lot of people wanted to ask me about Arkansas. I think TCU is good. I mean, uh, by yes. the way, the Hogs are on a bye this week, and then that A and M game is next week in Arlington. So we'll know. You know. It, we'll know real yeah. fast. Things are going to get bad, bad if if they lose that game, which they might, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they certainly could. And then two weeks after that, they go to a good South Carolina team on the road. So you, because because then if so if you drop both of those, you go straight into the division schedule and you're essentially walking wounded. Auburn, Ole Miss, which. You know, it's weird how I qualify Ole Miss in each one of these schedule predictions because 
Ole Miss would get up for a game like that and may not be completely dismantled yet. But, I mean, Auburn, Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, like, it's it's not good. You better win one of those games and, if you're going to salvage any kind of message. And South Carolina is exactly the type of team that can take advantage of it, of an Arkansas team that is just not very confident at the moment, and it's just it's sloppy. They're just making mistakes that when Arkansas was at its best, they weren't making. And South Carolina lives for sloppy. So I'm sitting here talking myself into Arkansas being more anxiety than or having more anxiety than I want to. You know, I don't want to reward anyone's anger at this point. I mean, to me, the the most pissed off fan base right now in America, regardless of what happened at Ohio State last week, is still Texas A&M. Um, that you know. <laughs> They're going to have – they better look good against ULL. They better look <laughs> really good in a sleepy yeah. JP slot game. I know Texas A&M never played on Jefferson Pilot. Look it up. Uh, but this is a JP game as hell against ULL um, because, obviously, they play Arkansas the following week. And guess what? There's those pesky Gamecocks. Wouldn't it be funny if Will Muschamp got two Western Division coaches fired? Yeah. Be interesting. Um, well, because I because I hate talking about coaching firings in week two, I'm going to change gears. Okay. Uh, at Josh Brundage, Georgia Tech's quarterback has put up crazy numbers in two games. Is it possible for a flex bone quarterback to win the Heisman? What numbers would he have to put up? Wow. I'm going to say it is possible uh. because at Georgia Tech, it is possible for Georgia Tech to go like you know 12 and one and win the ACC. They're in the right division for it. So. You start there. You you got to be like a top five level team, uh, and then you've got to turn around and then have your quarterback rush for however much a flex bone quarterback rushes, and also throw well. Like lead a comeback in the fourth quarter where you complete like twelve passes and throw three or four touchdown passes to win a crazy game, because like that's going to always be the thing. I think number one, if you're play, running a flex bone, that means you're not a blue chip program and and you don't have uh, blue chip talent. Uh, so it's going to be very hard, and it's also going to be held against you that it's it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick that's worked for 60 years, but it's a gimmick. And so you have to be able to pass, and you have to almost kind of look like an NFL prospect running it. So odds are not good. <laughs> but technically, really they are better than zero. One-man army, 10-2 and two team. That's the best I can give you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just got to be really, really, really beat good. Ohio, be an army and beat Ohio State. <laughs> uh, rush for 400 yards against Navy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about all you can do. Um, and then another uh, one more question that I wanted to address before I completely lose it uh, in the in the in the wash here uh, at Nate G. Edwards, friend of the program, asks uh, thoughts on removing the, quote, one year sit out rule for non-graduate transfers. It empowers the student. But does that incite mass transfers? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. it does. But here's I, – I loved the reaction to it because here's the thing. We all, like, you know, in our little you know, internet universe anyway, it is a vast majority of people saying we need to give the student-athletes more rights. We need to give them – like, they are – we need to empower them more. We need to um, – we do not give them enough. Like, we say all these things. And then the, the reaction – when this came out, the little rumor wafted around that they're thinking about getting rid of the sit-out rule – a hundred percent negativity. All the people who say that we we have to give them more rights, we have to figure out what to. No, they can't have that right. They would they would use it. We can't do that. And so I just kind of sat back and laughed because it, we are all hypocritical in some way. Um, and this is about the most empowering thing you can do for a student. But it would be a nightmare to keep up with all the transfers. Um, I think you split the difference. Don't give them total freedom and don't restrict them totally. I think uh, 
couch it a little bit and put some put some rules up against it, you know? Yeah, you can transfer, but you can't transfer to a conference team. Yeah, you can transfer, but you, I don't know, something else. Like, literally, I, one or two qualifiers against that, I think, would help tremendously. I don't think you, you should be able to transfer to a future schedule team in the following year. Honestly, I think um, if, if we can get to a point where uh, – they're allowed to make money off their likeness, then I don't care about changing the transfer rule at all. But that would be nice. I, I, I think the biggest thing with transfers is get rid of coaches being able to limit who you transfer to. Keep all the other rules. Keep the one year set out if you want. Keep the if you the the conferences that have like you know you lose a year of eligibility if you transfer within the keep all that. That's fine. Um, but just uh, can get rid of the practice of letting coaches limit who you transfer to. Um, I think that's it on questions. I think we're done pretty much. Uh, uh, I see you, Coulter Longshore, for asking you another Vandy K-State question. It's so funny that we got so many questions on that, and I'm, I'm happy to be going to it. I'm, I'm even happier that it's a three-mile round trip. Yeah. Ah, uh, Bill. It's, it's more than that for me, going to a Mizzou game. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, we have one more um, because we'll forget it if we don't. That was my uh, exhausted email. sigh, Bill. That, that kind of wraps the show up, so you better hurry. Email our friend Robert Baker, who has been who has sent us many questions over the last couple of years. Um, actually, I'm going to read this question before I say it out loud because I've not read it yet. Uh, so do you want me to stall for a second? I okay. Well, actually, I mean we've covered some of it, but I just wanted off. I just want to unstar the email, so I'm going to read it. Uh, Billy Godfrey, I have a question regarding schedules and contingency for these games that annually seem to involve the Florida and Louisiana programs. Yes. I know we saw several games were wisely canceled due to the hurricane, but I wonder how this will be handled in the future. See, we did kind of handle this. Uh, I know for a school like Florida, if it means little in regard to revenue, but for the small schools that rely on these games, it would figure that they'd rather see the game played eventually as one of these games could make up a large portion of their budget. Also, last year we saw that the petty mudslinging that went into making uh, up the FSU Florida game, or Florida to LSU game, excuse me. Um, so I would figure that teams would rather see these games played than not to avoid that in the future. Yes. Um, so ba- basically, it's a question about what we all all covered because PAPN has a hive brain now, and uh, Robert is a member of that hive brain. Uh, lots of complicated answers. There's no way to guard against it totally because you're still scheduling in a, in a tight window 11 other games every year. And then, you know, you start rippling through and thinking about what kind of impact it would have on championship week and do you extend all the, all the hypotheticals we put up. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the contracts get, get f- phrased. If there's any specific verbiage that gets included or omitted now when you go to the non-conference games, like Georgia Tech UCF is a great example. Because, by the way, the storm affected Atlanta. Obviously not as much as it affected Orlando, uh, but Atlanta was without power. And the reason I bring that up is it's, it, had Atlanta been had – had that storm, had Irma been going through Atlanta on a Saturday or a Thursday when a game was supposed to be played and there's no power and there's still tropical storm winds, you couldn't play the game. Yeah. Um, so that's – I mean, that, that, that's worth remembering. I, I went to a game in a tropical storm where it was just – dying out and it just rained all day that Notre Dame Clemson game two years ago and it's miserable absolutely miserable so there is no specific super answer there's a lot of good college football in places where hurricanes happen I mean it's something we're gonna have to deal with right. for a long time I think the biggest I'd thing say is don't accuse the don't accuse rival oh. fan bases of some sort of conspiracy or bias or insensitivity that's the biggest thing 
Yeah, and that's going to take years for us to get that message through. But um, I no, I mean, I think the two options here, just for weather in general, because without going into the <laughs> the political side of things, it's going to continue being a massive obstacle, and it's going to get become more of a massive obstacle. Um, the two options here are backup stadiums, which which Robert mentions in he, his email, and and like I was saying, have contingencies in place to where wherever you reserve the the conference title game for that Saturday in December, have it on call for the Saturday after as well, just in case. Yeah, and, and backup stadiums are, are are tricky only in that you have to look at an evacuation area. Is it is it going to yeah. be an impact on hotels? I'll leave you with this. It's not like the, the kind of content we want to leave the show with. What people don't understand is that so much more goes into a football game that you don't think about. It's not the two. Yep. It's not the two teams and their buses and the band and the coaches. It's um, EMS personnel that's required by law to be there, and a lot of EMS yep. personnel. It's also all the stadium employees, all of the university staff, all of the the be it the you know neutral site staff somewhere like the Superdome or NRG Stadium or I was about to say Georgia Dome, Mercedes Benz Stadium. You're talking about thousands and thousands of people that have to get in, they have to get out, they have to have roads, all like just all of this. So it's way more than just two footballs. Like if you want to get really aggro about it, if you're in a situation and you can't remake, if you, you know, you're worried about we can't move it to New Orleans, we can't do this, then go to a friggin' high school football field somewhere and play the game. Yeah. Play the full game full game. Friday night lights right here. Yeah, I mean, a, a, in front of two hundred people. If that's how it's going to be, but they're never going to do that because it doesn't make them money. <laughs> no, I, I think that's one of the things that I I love about college football because it is a, this massive community event, and that so many communities do it, and I think that's just really cool. But what that means is it's amazingly unwieldy. Yeah. How about no more hurricanes? Let's leave it on that. This okay. has been podcast name played nobody. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at, at thirty eight Godfrey. You can get Bill at underscore uh, SBN underscore Bill C. Sorry, uh, we will be back Sunday round two of the S and P Plus recap. Um, tune in. Uh, we will have as much information from the S and P Plus in terms of rankings and post game report and all that jazz as soon as humanly possible. Bill, you are going to uh, be at the Missouri game this weekend. Obviously, I will be covering K-State at Vanderbilt. Uh, if you're a K-Stater and you listen to this, or if you're a Vandy person for that matter, I am at 38 Godfrey. I am not really going to roam any kind of tailgate. Um, I'm not trying to make a joke about uh, Vandy. I like Vandy. I live next to it. But um, between the obligations of like fatherhood and watching other games, I'm probably just going to kind of get in and get out. But if you're around, give me a tweet. Maybe I'll be around. I'd love to meet you. Um, that's it. And if you are if you are a Purdue fan and PAPN listener, oh yeah, that's right. Surely we've attracted that so far, right? And you have a proper tailgate. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, shout out to Ben Briner, longtime PAPN listener and writer for the state in South Carolina, who I forgot he worked for the state in South Carolina. He showed up in Columbia last weekend, and at the last second, I went, "Oh crap!" and invited him to the tailgate, and he came to the tailgate, and we got to meet. Good guy. Awesome. Bill, I'll see you Sunday. Yep.